We now know what Senators Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders said to each other in that tense exchange after Tuesday's Democratic debate. I think you called me a liar on national TV. What? I think you called me a liar on national no. TV. Let's not do it right now. You want to have that discussion, we'll have that discussion. You called me, you told me. All right, let's not do it. Hello and welcome to the Katie Halper Show. On today's episode, I play an interview I recorded on live radio at WBAI with Alex Press. Alex Press is a socialist feminist Jacobin editor. She's written for places like The Washington Post, Vox, The Nation, N Plus One, among other places. And she and I talk about why, as feminists, we must support Bernie Sanders, why he's the real feminist in the race. Also, enjoy the questions we take from callers. Make sure you rate and review and subscribe to The Katie Halper Show. Also, support the show by becoming Patreon subscribers at patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Even $1 a month is really helpful. $5 a month is even better and gives you access to Patreon-only episodes. So, for example, for this week, the Patreon-only episode includes more of an interview I do with Alex Press, but we're joined by State Senator Julia Salazar. She's also a Bernie Sanders delegate, and I asked her if Bernie asked her not to run or told her a woman couldn't win. Julia also talks to us about her work towards decriminalizing sex work. But that's not all. This very same Patreon-only episode, I chat with Leslie Lee and Jack Allison, hosts of the Struggle Session podcast, plus Megan Day, another socialist feminist Jackman editor, because we have to have at least one per ep, I guess, reads from her piece, I'm gay and I want Medicare for all. Also, a few chances to see me live in person. I'll put links to all of this in the SoundCloud um, and iTunes and all that. On January 25th, see me appear as a guest on the podcast Reply Guys, which is a great podcast and that is hosted by Julia Clare and Kate Willett. I'll be one of the guests, as will Mohanid El Sheikhi. That is at Union Hall in Brooklyn, and that's on January 25th, and it's presented by the Brooklyn Podcast Festival. Then on January 28th, people in the Boston-Cambridge area, I'll be on a panel at Havid. Really cool. It's two back-to-back panels. Uh, The Revolution Will Not Be Televised. I'll be on it with Crystal Ball, Megan Day, and Nomiki Konst. And the second panel will be The Battle for the Soul of the Democratic Party, and that will include Cornell West, Michael Brooks, Philip Agnew, and Isha Krishnaswamy. So, sounds pretty good, right? Then... Back in New York, if you're around, I'll be performing at a an event for Lauren Ashcraft, who is a stand-up comedian and also, just as relevantly, running for Congress. And that's January 30th at Koch Bar in Astoria. I also interviewed Lauren, so make sure you check out that interview I did with her. It's really good. She's really inspiring. has a great story. And without any further ado, on to the show. I have live in studio, in studio with me. Like right next to me, I have Alex Press, friend of the show, repeat offender, great journalist, um, and editor at Jacobin. That's right. And a feminist, a socialist. I would say, yes. Anything else you want me to add to your Uh, rabble rouser? Partisan of the working class. Partisan of the working class, yes. And uh, her writings appeared all over places like Jacobin, um, places like... In these times, Washington, Washington Post, Post, the nation, the nation, everywhere, everywhere, too many places, too many places. Oh, what a problem for working journalists. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and you are you uh, work. For, we are an editor at Jacobin, That's which right. is of course literally below where we are right now. Same Very building. convenient. Very convenient. Yeah, but 
Alex, I want to talk to you about what you're working on, but of course what I really want to talk about first, because we've got to be topical, is what you thought of last night's debates. And then we'll talk about, like, you know, the working class at large and all <laughs> sure, that, sure. and the revolution, but this is kind of relevant. Um, let's see, where to start? Oh, I mean, okay. there was all sorts of things, whether sure. it was Biden sort of revising the historical record about his foreign policy, yeah. whether there was the, of course, like the drama of what... The you know, CNN yes. talking heads love, and I'm right. sure you want to talk about the Warren Am and I Sanders stuff. Well, let's get that out of <laughs> so, the way so we sure. can talk about the Biden foreign policy stuff. Um, as listeners probably know, there was this whole controversy where um, first Warren's peop- Warren sent out a fundraising email that alleged that Sanders' campaign was using as a talking point the fact that Warren's supporters are more affluent and educated, so she has a. That's this is actually your lane. Besides mm-hmm. this, like, I'm not just using you to get to help Bernie. No, mm-hmm. this is your lane because you write a lot about work, the working class, and organizing, and feminism, and sure. how those things all intersect. So let's before we even get into the petty catty stuff that I can't wait to get into with you. Uh, what? Let's talk about this uh, issue: the fact that Warren's coalition is not as broad, is not as multiracial, and is not as working class as as Sanders is, and that is, of course, then that was part of the the drama that people were upset that. A rogue Sanders volunteer who had written a script that they right. sent out over the slack and um, the script for door knocking and canvassing, calling, stuff like that for the Sanders campaign. And um, in it, the script, they said what that Warren. They said something terrible. They were saying how to how to reach different voters. And one of the things you're supposed to say is, yeah, I like Warren a lot. She's my second choice. Mm-hmm. But her she she's at, has more support from you know her her support is not as working class mm-hmm. which is just true based right. on everything we know about yeah. both campaign supporters which isn't to say you know it condemns warren supporters i mean it's no. part of this is name recognition that sanders has more of um but it is just factually true right. um but anyway so this snowballed into all sorts of things which um you know i guess the main one everyone wants to talk about is that then it came out that someone told how should we put this um because it was yes yeah, so ended up being warren herself but yeah, the idea so, that bernie right. had told her that yeah. a woman couldn't be right. present well yeah what happened was so w- warren sent out an email saying she was disappointed by bernie's campaign like breaking the pact of non-aggression by someone somewhere like sending out a, a message a, a call script that said something that's true about warren um that's somehow mean. I guess they don't think they're competing against each other. Again, there's a difference between um, smearing people and la- launching unfair attacks. Of course, there's a difference between that and like sexism and racism and, and incorporating those into attacks and uh, just stating the differences. So mm-hmm. that is, I think Warren, actually one of her biggest liabilities is that she gets uh, easily offended and she's thin-skinned. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's also doesn't really have her finger on the pulse of, of, I don't think she has good political instincts, which we can get into later, whether it's the Native American thing which is a whole political thing, but just sure. ethics aside, it's just so, so, I don't know where she thought that would go. Her campaign, I don't know if she's getting bad advice, but she or her campaign um, made a big deal out of it. That's fine if they want to fundraise off of it. But then it escalated. As you said, CNN broke this story. And the story was that Bernie Sanders told Warren a woman couldn't be president, according to sources. Mm-hmm. Okay. There were two people in the room. One was Sanders. One was Warren. Right. And the sources were people who Warren had told about this meeting. And she put out a statement that was before the debate. She put out a statement that was very passive aggressive where she did the whole like, I'm a good person, so I don't want to talk about this anymore. I will just say that. And basically then she's saying, I will just say that he's a liar. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, that's what you say. Right. And then can we get back to the issues? Exactly. He's a liar, but we have so much to, you know, we have have so much that unites us. Let's get back to the issues. Mm -hmm. Like as if she's being this great team player. Um, squashing the beef. She's not. She's just doubling down and using and in, in a nice with a nice like under the, the the illusion of civility. It was. I really can't stand that. Yeah. It's like the exact opposite of Sanders. Sanders is like oh, like like total mensch, but not particularly like polished. Mm-hmm. And she's just like kind of not being a good person, but very decorous, mm-hmm. um, full of decorum. This is me, not uh, Alex, by the way, making these comments. <laughs> I'm, but. Uh, so yeah, so then they went on the, uh, then there was the debate, and then they actually asked, I mean, the, CNN wanted this story to go far, it was so obvious, I don't know to what extent she wanted it to, I do think she did, I think at the very least, as you said, this meeting that happened between them where Bernie allegedly said that I don't think a woman can win, was a year ago. Mm-hmm. It's weird that this just came up now. Sure. Um, interesting timing, right, as she's like as he's really uh, soaring in the polls and mm-hmm. she's falling behind. And then they asked him about it during the debate and it was really disgusting because they asked him about it. He said, well, I didn't say that. Well, as a matter of fact, I didn't say it. Anybody knows me knows that it's incomprehensible that I would think that a woman could not be president of the United States. You're saying that you never told Senator Warren that a woman could not win the election. That is correct. And then they turn to Warren and they, and they say, what do you think when he said that? Senator Warren, what did you think when Senator Sanders told you a woman could not win the election? I disagreed. Like, there was no entertaining the notion that maybe he was telling the truth and she was Mm -hmm. misremembering or misrepresenting. What I do want to say is, I mean, part of why this is so frustrating is that the basis of supporting Sanders is his coalition is incredibly strong, Right. right? It really is. Low-income people, I mean, the top donators to his campaign are teachers, they're Walmart workers, um, they're Amazon workers. So getting into this interpersonal, almost like West Wing-style drama, you know, that's why it's annoying because Warren brought it up and started this. But really, I think, again, like taking the bait on just talking about this. when we can squash it. Yeah, when the reality is like it makes for good drama. But the differences are very real in that there's political differences. And also today, um, I mean, yesterday, Sanders had the teachers union in Nevada endorse him, 10,000 people. Um, That was yesterday. Today, I think, Make the Road Action, which is an immigrants' rights group. Um, I think they endorsed him. He's had Sunrise Movement endorse him because of his climate plans. And, I mean, the numbers, both on donations and people and phone calls that are getting out the vote for Sanders are historic. And so I think, again, like, as much as it matters to make very clear the distinction of, like, I certainly don't think Sanders would ever have said that a woman right. can't run. Of course, that matters. What really matters is talking about the fact that this guy could actually win. We could actually have a socialist on the Democratic right. Party ticket, whatever that would look right. like. And the way we get there is phone banking, text banking, getting out the you know vote, knocking doors, Iowa, st- Iowa all of this. And so I think, again, like the catharsis of one's anger should be... Right. Directed That's into that question. action. I mean, a good, a very good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How can we do both? Can we be like yes and? Sure. I'll do that. Yeah. You'll you'll do, do that. that. I mean, I'm not do, telling you not like, to tweet. Yeah. Right. I couldn't if right. I tried. Yeah. No, yeah. you could. I bet if I, I have, you know what? If you, I'll, if anyone wants to pay me not to tweet, <laughs> donate to a certain campaign. I can't say which one. Not to tweet. Then I'm fine with that. Um, but it is it is frustrating. I guess I think that there's a way to use this given the controversy. We can, and this is an interesting thing because then there's this kind of you're not doing this, but there is this like almost vote shaming thing that happens mm-hmm. where we see where people are like, 
really? Are we really going to talk about this? It's like, no, of course it's not the issue. Mm-hmm. But we also, an issue is, and this is why it's nice if you write about media criticism because you have an excuse to kind of focus on this. Sure. But there is an issue where near, where CNN is setting up candidates like this. And yep. there is an issue where CNN wants to talk about interpersonal stuff like this instead of war and peace. And last night on CNN, you had David Axelrod et al. talking about how, oh, Bernie's really making a big deal out of uh, this, you know, he's making a thing out of their foreign policy differences. I mean, the war was so long ago. Why He's he's clearly trying to turn this into something. As if it's not an actual... Substantive issue. Yeah. Right. Of life and death and sure. existential I mean, relevance. what I find sort of insulting, and, and you can talk about the Warren Sanders kerfluffle or whatever, um, is that one reason I think Sanders really matters is he is on foreign policy. He's as close as we're going to get to right. a tr- genuinely pro-international, pro-worker candidate running in the the heart of U.S. empire. And so, you know, for me as a feminist, it's imperative that I support Sanders because we're talking about the lives of millions of women, whether it's intervention in Latin American countries, whether it's the right. war in Iran or Afghanistan or Iraq. Um, I mean, the U.S. has control over the life and death of millions of women. That's just how empire works, and it's still true today, regardless of whether the U.S. is weakened or not compared to the past. And so it is this bizarre sort of um, centering, I hate that word, but sort of like focus on interpersonal problems within the U.S. populace and like can an American woman be president or not. I mean, it's an important question. But also, if we're talking about what's the feminist right. dimensions of this election, yes. to me, they're that either we have someone who's pro-U.S. empire and th- thus anti-woman, definitionally, right. globally, or we don't. Right. And we have someone like Sanders who, you know, actually is going to fight on behalf of people worldwide. And right. that would sound like crazy talk to Axelrod to of connect course. those He's like, things. wait, what? Can you repeat that? Yeah, em- so I'm empire, s- that's a movie, right? Yeah, yeah. So how is the war connected yeah, to exactly. feminism? Yeah. Do right. you just hate Elizabeth Warren? Right. No, I just right. actually care about the subject at hand. Right, yeah. yes. So there's that's another issue, right? So there are two issues. I mean, and this is something I think we have to struggle with, and I've done a little, it's a little hard because you, you want to both educate and, like, redirect, but you do have to, we have to be aware of the fact that, like, for a lot of people, they don't really get how those things are feminist issues. Sure. And so we have to bring them in on that mm-hmm. and educate them on that. And so, yeah, the way is, like, I always, like, look, all things being equal, I would love to have someone from an underrepresented group sure. in power. But if we're choosing between policies that affect millions of people, including mm-hmm. the most vulnerable and including women, um, I want the person whose policies will be the most empowering and uplifting and least degrading and exploiting mm-hmm. of that group. And people get it when it's like Sarah Palin, right? They get it. They got right. it that she's not just, she's a woman, but that's make her good. Um, or f- pro-woman or feminist. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think we, but I think, yeah, I think you have to, re- we have to redirect it. And it does, um, I mean, wh- how, how do you talk to, do you, what, what are you working on now in your life, by the way, in terms of writing? Are you doing any organizing? Because you've done organizing in the past. Are you still organizing? I have done organizing in the past. I haven't done much lately. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm like text banking for Sanders, for yeah. example. Um, but I'm not doing any kind of leadership. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's anything super relevant to this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, at Jacobin, obviously, yeah. that's different. I mean, a lot of us are doing all sorts of right. work, but um, mostly I do union stuff um, within the like News Guild right. of New York, where I'm a member, stuff like that, um, and writing about these things, of course. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm I'm starting to think about a book, so that's oh, what I'm doing. Cool. And so, tell us uh, why you're excited about Bernie Sanders. Uh, 
If you are excited about him. Yeah, I'm excited about Bernie Sanders, of course. Um, let's see. To put it into a elevator pitch? Yeah. Um, well, I think one thing that's unique about Sanders, or at least that maybe a lot of people don't highlight, is I come from, like Katie said, the world of union organizing, and also I write about unions and the labor movement. And Sanders has unique sort of connection to those worlds, right? I mean, I've mentioned that his support comes from the very working class people that are the least represented and the most frustrated um, and by proxy then also the least involved in our political process because they feel like there's no hope. Um, so Sanders is actually involving the working class in politics in a way that we haven't seen in a while. Um, but also just he's uniquely has the same vision of power that comes from a background in the labor movement, which says no one can sort of legislate from on high, especially not in the United States. There's so many forces arrayed against someone like a Sanders. But he knows that what he has to do is facilitate power from below. And so whether that's him sort of supporting strikes as he's done, he's taken what usually sucks all the energy out of social movements, which is the incredibly long process of the American presidential election. And he's used it to try to redirect it back to have more energy in the movement. So whether it's sending his supporters to picket lines or speaking out in favor of striking workers, of workers who are newly unionizing. I mean, he's sort of like taking his bully pulpit and he's using it to build power at the rank and file level, which right. is for someone like me key. You know, I support or I don't support a politician based on what are they going to do for the working class? Are they going to help them or are they going to hurt them? And I think Sanders is unique, certainly in my lifetime, as far as I don't have to wonder about that. It's very clear that given the constraints he's under, he's going to be on the right side of this right. debate on the class divide, right? Yeah. And and actually agitate and educate people as well. Because like you said, a lot of people have never encountered this sort of language around, you know, what is feminism? Is it just interpersonal conflict or is it a structural right. thing? You know, what is class? Is it microaggressions and sort of feeling like uncomfortable in a right. certain space? Sure, but it is also a structural conflict. And so Sanders, I think, you know, is exciting to me in that way. I mean, there are many other reasons foreign policy, obviously, as I mentioned, though I th see that as completely related. You can't be pro-working right. class without being an internationalist. I mean, right, this is yeah. not to be extremely Jacobin editor about yeah, it, not, but, yeah. you know, Lenin was right about these things. Yeah. You have to be you on keep a scoreboard. Yeah. What Lenin was right about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's my pitch is the really the labor movement stuff that he has a very concrete labor platform that will be incredibly hard to pass through Congress, but he knows that and he is very clear about sort of, you know, the goals and the intermediate steps to get right. to doubling the unionization rate, to making just cause, which means you can't get fired for any reason. This um, is huge. Yeah. This is a very big feminist issue. Yeah, I actually just had cause. on your, your colleague Megan Day. Uh-huh. Um and I was saying how in twenty sixteen it was very easy for me to explain the different types of feminisms that were at uh mm -hmm. in conflict. You had the I would say the Hillary feminism, which was a kind of corporate neoliberal feminism of the one percent, a very much like personal journey based feminism. And then you had feminism that actually was about the the lives of the many, mm -hmm. of the ninety nine percent, you know, fighting for the, the lives of not the most powerful, but the least powerful among us. And the great example for me for that symbol was that Sanders was with Fight for 15. He supported Fight for 15, which is a minimum wage, um, uh, raising a movement to wage, raise the minimum wage. It was a, you know, launched by actual workers. And Hillary was okay with 12. And the majority of minimum. $12 an hour. $12 an hour. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Right. Fight for 15, $15 an hour. Right. right. Hillary was okay with $12 an hour. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
Hillary's fine with 12 and you know the majority of even if you don't if you if you're one of those people who tries to separate class from race and gender which is ridiculous uh if you say you don't care about class you care about the other things sorry uh to break it to you but like the majority of minimum wage earners are people of color and women women and or people of color sure so that was a great example i was complaining to megan i was like we need an easy way to explain it this time and then she was talking about this so right just cause yes which is what you know instead of being at will in the way that if you know if you're working for a wage the boss can fire you for any reason right Right. and just cause is standard in union contracts saying you know you must have a there they must give a cause that is you know there's good reason for the firing um and it gives you this protection that you know, means, say, for example, you speak up about harassment in the workplace and you're retaliated against, which happens all the time, still post me too. You know, I've had friends who've been fired for speaking up in the past year about harassment on the job. Um, all of a sudden now there's, you know, the president and the law is on your side saying they have to give a reason that is not retaliatory. Um, and so things like this help. I mean, lots of I write about this all the time. So stop me if I sound like a broken record. But I mean, things like universal health care, um, Things like a Green New Deal, these actually all have to do with feminism. I mean, universal health care means that your job no longer is the way that you're you're not reliant on your job right. for health care. Right. So if you're thinking about whether it's speaking up about workplace harassment right. or you're thinking about unionizing because you need stronger protections at work, you're not risking losing your health care, which is a huge deal. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's also true about marriages like a lot of people stay with right. their partner even if their partner is abusive because that's how they get health care and so when we remove these sort of ties that force us right. into oppression that actually is both structural and interpersonal and it's deeply right. feminist yeah. um, and it's again a huge distinction as far as the just cause stuff and the universal health care stuff um, that you know distinguishes sanders from anyone else i mean i think he's the only one who is just saying pro medicare for all pro green new deal on that debate stage last night you right. know um so he's i mean he's repetitive and it's the best thing about him right yeah. because we still haven't won i exactly yeah. when people are like he's been saying the same thing for a minute like Okay, when we get universal health care, then he can stop talking he'll about come, it. He'll move on. Yeah, he'll yeah. move on. I mean, and we, and it's, you see the, you know, a really important thing that I want to push back on is, um, is the idea that, oh, he can't get it passed. He'll, he's not going to be able to get anything passed. As mm-hmm. if, like, you don't have to do the prep work first and lay the ground first and, and tap into outrage and galvanize outrage. Like, I don't know what people think, how people think the world works. You wait around for something to start polling well, uh-huh. and then you then you try to to act on it. Right. I mean, this I mean, is the tyranny of polling is yes. that it takes the atomized person as they are and pretends politics is not persuasion and says, well, here's the limits of our politics right. based on polling rather than we need to transform what's considered possible. And so Sanders, to me, is necessary but insufficient. Yeah. Right? So he's what we need to do to get the next step of going. Course. Yeah. And, and also, it's like, you know what? If you ask a question a certain way, they're going to answer a certain way. Sure. So they're always like, no one would ever vote for a raging socialist with M- McCarthy funding. You know, like, uh, not McCarthy. Uh, Vladimir Putin. Sorry, my mind. Oh. I just messed up that very funny line. That, uh, But, you know, people like, it's not, if you ask the question in a red-baiting way, th- mm-hmm. obviously they're going to be like, no. But we're talking about um, the feminist movement, uh, the labor movement. How those things can never really be separate. We're talking about Bernie Sanders. We're talking about um, the differences between him and Warren and Biden. How to uh, articulate those differences without falling into petty, catty fights. Um, so we were just talking about, uh, before the break about how um, people like to present uh, 
were uh, Bernie's ideas as radical or not not actionable. And what what else do you what do you have to say to that as someone who's written about the labor movement and about politics today? Um, well, I think it's what we were saying before the break that you know these things have never been feasible, right? Right. Until they happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think the labor movement is a good sort of parallel example where. When unions were first formed in the United States, there was no labor law, right? Unions were not legal, but workers came together and said, conditions are impossible. We need to unite collectively. And that's actually how we got our modern labor law was they did it under conditions of impossibility and illegality. And yet it got done, right? We've had the AFL and the CIO and we had um, mass labor movements that were militant. And from there, we've now sort of taken it for granted. But as far as things go, you know, it always seems impossible until it starts happening. Um, and I know that sounds like a wishy-washy case for Sanders. But again, the sort of, he's necessary but insufficient. Right. Um, that's always, I mean, the civil rights movement is a similar sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ben Jealous says we don't v- vote for uh, presidents who to make or politicians to make change. We vote for president politicians who will make it easier for us to make change. There you go. Like, it's a sure. good line, right? Like a more movable. We're taking your calls, by the way, at 212-209-2877. Again, that's 212-209-2877. This is the Katie Halper Show. And Alex Press and I are graciously taking your calls in <laughs> case you have any questions or comments you'd like to share. Actually, we'd rather probably questions. Um when you are, have you had any like conversations where you've made the case for people? Have you spoken to any Warren supporters or Biden supporters or anyone who's on the fence? Or do you not even hang out with those people like me? I'm just kidding. I do. This, I'm, <laughs> this is an, a safe space. And of course, we have to convert people. But have you had any interesting conversations with people around this? Or have you seen anyone evolve from 2016 to, to 2020? I mean, of course, most of the people I'm around are Sanders supporters. But, um, you know, I think there are a huge number of people who can be moved on these issues. And I've had conversations, of course, with especially Warren supporters, but I mean, Biden and also people who are independents, where again, Sanders has a huge amount of support from independents um, about just sort of the key transformational step in those conversations for me, in my experience, is getting someone from a place where they feel that there's only so much that can change, where they feel really that there is no alternative, the famous Thatcher line. I think a lot of Americans, especially working class Americans, feel that way about politics. And what's hard about getting them to support Sanders is believing that they're worth more than they're sort of than we're already treated, you know, that believing they're worth $15 an hour, believing we deserve health care, things like that. And so I think those conversations sort of getting to a place where it where we can say, okay, but what if this person really is going to fight for the best that we can imagine? And even if we don't get all the way there, you know, it's a fight worth having. um, And it's how history advances. And um, yeah, I think a lot of it really is this almost like deeply in, in like interpersonal kind of how much does an American deserve at this point? Um, and just a lot of people have been beaten down by how politicians treat poor people and working class people. And um, so it's hard to rebuild that belief in the possibility of something else. Um, but Sanders, I think it helps do that. He gives us, at least for me in these conversations, something concrete to say, look at this vision that's being presented um, and how do we get there? And what was your own political uh, education like? Um, I was pretty apolitical until college. Um, my parents are basically liberals, but politics was not really discussed in the household. Um, and actually, I was politicized in part by the Occupy Wall Street movement um, and sort of struggles like uh, so many college students on my campus. Um, but from there, I went through social movements and helped organize a union. 
Um, and uh, that's how I wound up here at Jacobin. And I started writing about labor because I was um, starting to organize that union. So I sort of stumbled into writing. Um, but my roots really were um, in the movements, I would say. And what is the role of Jacobin today? I mean, you guys get a lot Great of... Great question. Of, yeah, Maybe you I should mean, ask Bosker. All right, yeah, we've got to have him on. But you guys mm-hmm. do get a lot of... You're, you're kind of... Um, you've become a thing. You've become like mm-hmm. people with... You're like shorthand for a lot of the people who have disdained for you. You're. I don't know. What do you think you represent? Like a leftist, bro-ish um, cult? That's certainly what we represent according to our critics. Um, right. But uh, I think what we represent and have for a long time is sort of the... Um, a left-wing constituency beyond liberalism, which didn't used to be articulated in an accessible way in America. Right. Yeah. Or and in a cool so, way. I'm going to say Or in I a cool way. There's yeah. a lot of value in right. that. So right. So I like to think that we're sort of, especially before Sanders, we were a holding pattern, a sort of place for that left-wing of thinking and writing and conversation, sort of a place for people to gather and relate to each other through this project. Um, and thank God that now there's a rising left where there's not just Jacobin there, but um, I think a rising that can- left raises all all ships. <laughs> right. Yes. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I think Jacobin continues to play a role of both speaking to the left, but also speaking to and trying to change the minds of those to our right. Right. So like liberals yes, or progressives right. um, and offering a language and a tradition that is deeply buried in the American um, educational sphere, for sure, but also just in American politics in general and subconscious. Yes. And we have a call. Can you announce who you yeah. are, where you're calling from, and what your question is? Thank you. Um, George, George, I'm calling from Long Island. I'm in a car. Nice. Hey, um, as a friend, as a, a, a longtime BAI contributor, you know, money and, and stuff like that, and also somebody that feels very strongly about Bernie, I've supported him in the last race. I've supported him in this race. I'm going to walk out something that might be painful, but it's probably good that we bring it out. Um, guys, help me to understand here. Because I'm in the same camp. But I'm under, I, I often say to myself, if Bernie were to get the nomination, if he were to win, how could he play the, the artifices of government to bring about all that we need? You know, how can he do it when, the, for example, the Democrats have a very lukewarm appreciation of him, if any. Well, the, the Republicans one, one wing of the party, right? It's the powerful wing of the party, sadly. You saw them destroy him last time with Wasserman Schultz. They tried to, yeah. And And now Tom Perez is no better. So, yeah. Um, Can I ask, uh, just in the interest of transparency, are you saying, like, so you don't think that it can be done? Are you saying you like him and how do we make sure this happens? Are you saying there's another candidate who... Well, before we put all, all of our power behind somebody... We got to make certain they can go the distance and deliver. I've been like a lot of people. I've been brought, you know, to the to the the wedding chapel and left there many times. So to me, it's now is the time for clarification. And and I'm a Bernie supporter, and I want him to go all the way. But can you may know things I don't know about how is it we can get to that place where he can twist elbows and get us that health care we need to have. Because we're behind every other nation sure, in that. Sure, of course, yeah. Right, just for one thing on that. And that's not even the only issue. Climate change. I mean, my problem, my problem here, I guess I should say, uh, the crux of it is if you, if you don't have your colleagues over a barrel, 
how do you get them to change so in a, such a revolutionary way? I often favor Warren, and for the reason that I know that fiscally she can put these guys in a she can put them in a vice and say seriously, do you want the if she, if elected Elizabeth Warren could say, do you seriously want the Department of Justice to look over your taxes, Amazon? I mean, you really want that because I will look forward to it or. You can start paying what I think you already owe. Okay, so, Alex, do you want to take a shot at that? Do you want me to take a shot at it? I have um, some ideas, but it's I mean, I'll just say that I'm not sure I agree that Sanders is, like, less serious in some yeah. way about, for example, I mean, Amazon was the example yeah. used. Uh, Sanders has gone after Amazon in a way no one, no other candidate has. And then has. they raise their minimum wage. Yes, and they actually have taken action in response to him. Um, what I would say is just, again— as far as looking for sort of concrete things in the historical record, Sanders does have a good track record of actually, um, I wouldn't say bipartisan, though it is, bi- I'm sure the Sanders campaign yeah. would call it bipartisanship. Um, Postpartisanship. <laughs> yeah. Um, but of actually working beyond traditional divides, yeah. particularly around the wars, particularly around veterans, um, health care and benefits. Um, so I wouldn't say that he's less able. I think he has a huge track record of actually getting things passed, and he's an independent socialist, so um, that was never easy for him. But I think beyond, I mean, Katie, if you want to speak more yeah. to the Warren well, versus yeah, Sanders. Yeah, I think that this is a false uh, premise, I have to say, and I'm not saying that in a, a scolding way. I mean, I, my cards are on the table. You know I like Sanders more. But I've never been convinced by, although it's very seductive and it's a kind of a, a, a conventional wisdom nugget that I think has been disproven, I've never, I'm not convinced by the she knows how to do it, he doesn't. As Alex said, he's been, uh, he has a lot of experience. He has a lot of uh, experience working across the aisle, not selling out, like not working across the aisle to water stuff down, but pitching things in a way that appeals to other people, like um, building coalitions. He's called the Amendment King for a reason. Here's what I know. Without Sanders, you don't have Medicare for All becoming a, an issue that's politically viable. And that's the first and most important thing. And then I trust that he knows what he's doing because he's been doing this for a while. And I trust that he appoints people who are good on the on the details. And that is much more important. Like Obama and Hillary, for instance, Obama was not as good an administrator as Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton would have been a great administrator. I just don't think her policy, I wouldn't have liked what she was administrating. Mm-hmm. But there is this myth, I think, that like Bernie doesn't know how to play with the Republicans or how to get things done. And I just don't think it's true. And I think, again, like if you don't have the will and the moral outrage that you're tapping into, then nothing else matters. And we know he has that part. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't see anyone else as real galvanizers or leaders of I think outrage is probably one of the most important weapons that we have. And again, all the things that Sanders doing, he's bringing to the fore issues that before him, people would have laughed, laughed him, you know, laughed him all the way to the chapel or whatever the expression is. And they did. The synagogue. In yeah. 2016. And they did in 2016. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Is that, are you still there, George? No, oh, okay. Sorry, George. I wasn't trying to, but I, I mean, I'm, I, that's what kind of why I asked about if he was supporting someone else. Mm-hmm. Cause I just have to be honest. I, I understand when someone asking that question from a, what do we do? Like hand wringing, mm-hmm. like how do we make sure we're setting him up with a movement? But I just don't buy the Warren knows what she's doing more mm-hmm. than Sanders does. Right. And I don't trust her. Not even, well, now I'm going to be honest. I think this was a moment for me. It was a moment that's like a line in the sand or something. I mean, I guess she's my second choice still, but she's probably like I'd rather have dinner with with uh, Klobuchar than her. Mm. 
you know? Like, I mean, the interesting, the sort of thing I say, and this applies to all politicians, is, you know, a classic sort of line from union bargaining, that you don't sit down at the table already having compromised. Yeah, right? exactly. And so right. while some people look at what Sanders demands and says this is pie in the sky right. impossible, I say you start with what you of want. Of course. And then you figure out where to go from there. Right. And so it concerns me, anybody who isn't there, I mean, certainly, for example, Biden is sitting down at the table Having already given up things that giving like someone a massage, shoulder massage. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, right. Um, but he's sitting down saying, "Let's have basically what we have now." Warren is sitting down saying, "Let's have a lot better things." But I'm already compromising, right. certainly on Medicare for all. And so for me, the only realistic candidate would be Sanders, yeah. right? Yeah, I, and I think it's true. Also, he appeals. I mean, there are a l- bunch of different myths. We should probably do like a video, like a. But there are a bunch of different myths about this, and I think one of them is that Sanders um, is too radical. Okay, hold on. Make sure your radio's going to get the next call. To appeal to people, like no one's going to vote for socialists. Um, what they don't get is that there are people who actually are very anti-socialist who trust him. It's interesting, an interesting phenomenon. Like, it's anecdotal, but I'm pretty sure it's right, and I'll, I'll look for the evidence. But everyone else just pretends their anecdotal stuff is true anyway. But I've spoken to people like that. Caller. Okay, well, we've got another caller. Yes. Uh, tell us your name, where you're calling from, and thank you. Smiley from Connecticut. Hi, Smiley. Hey, how you doing, Katie? Good, thanks. Hey, you. look. Yeah. What, what you got to look at, Katie, is that the media look who they can make the most money from. And they, they make more money from Trump than all the president put together. Right. And they can make money from, from, from Joe Biden because Joe Biden is a pharmaceutical man. He's the Walmart and things like that. So Bernie Sanders is not on their radar. Right. If you notice, Bernie keep on meeting and you got thousands of people. The media never said thing. Joe Biden goes somewhere and 500 people show up and you hear the media with you all over the place. We are right. not stupid. We, we know who Joe Biden is. We know how long he's been there. We know the laws he vote for. Three strikes and you're out. You remember yes. that? That's yep. a lot of kids in jail. Joe yep. Biden was one of the voters. He cannot get my vote. And I can predict this again. If Joe Biden is the nominate, is the nominate, they nominate Joe Biden for the Democrats four more years to Trump. Yeah. That's no, no, that's no way. Bernie Sanders has get more young people energized and registered to vote than all the candidates put together. But the media don't want him because he's for the people. They want somebody they can make a lot of money from. And yeah. that's why the media have been trashing him like that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Smiley. Um, Oh, I want, next time he calls, I'm going to ask him where in Connecticut he's from. Yeah, that's tr- that's also true. I mean, I honestly, just full disclosure, before the campaign started, I thought there were two people who could beat Trump. Um, one was Sanders, and one was Biden. I no longer think Biden can can beat Trump, but I never really thought Warren could. And I know there's what a changed your mind on Biden? Honestly, the the lack of I don't know what to call it. I think his lack. I'll put it this way. What changed my mind on Biden is that Biden is now the type of person about which can be said, about whom can be said, as was not this debate, but the debate before by Chris uh, Cuomo. Um, Biden had one of his best nights ever. He was alert the whole time. (laughs) And that is what I think it is, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, it's... uh, And and I say that also to show my, like, that I'm being honest. Like, I never liked Biden. I was, like, one of my least favorites. Although... Mm -hmm. The selfish part of me thinks he's hilarious, so it would be fun oh. to watch. I'm just kidding. I mean, it would be fun, but I don't, I'm not tempted by that. Uh, I think that uh, that's what changed my mind. I just think Trump will destroy okay. him. Okay. Another caller. caller. Oh, this is fun. Yes, uh, thank you for calling to the Katie Halper Show to talk to me and Alex Press. Uh, what is your question, and where are you calling from? 
It's Carmen. My name is Ingrid. I'm calling from Manhattan. Hi, thanks. I, I have a comment. I thought Bernie I thought Bernie did wonderful yesterday. Great, yeah. I thought he was superb. I am so overjoyed because he made his case so eloquently. My God, an intelligent man, the man is golden. And I am feeling so certain that he will be our next president. Amen. Great. Where are you from? I'm from Vienna, Austria. Oh, cool. Great. So we got a very international crowd for Bernie here. Nice. Yes. And uh, uh, if you have time, I would like you like to tell you a very funny joke from Austria. Sure. Love Austrian jokes. Cool. Three presidents stand in front of God's throne. Obama, uh, uh, Bush number two, and Trump. And uh, God says to Obama... Oh, my son, what do you believe in? And Obama says, I believe in um, world peace and feeding the hungry. Oh, wonderful, God says, come on in. And he says to uh, Bush, what do you believe in? And Bush says, uh, world trade and I forget the rest, it's uh, whatever. Yeah. He says, oh, God says, interesting. We have come 10 seconds, in. sorry, yeah. Then he says to Trump, and uh, what do you believe? And Trump says, I believe you're sitting in my throne. That's very funny. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, well, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Katie Helper Show. And thank you, Alex Press. You can find Alex online at alexpress.com. You can also follow her on Twitter at Alex N. Press. Thanks again so much for listening to the Katie Helper Show. The Katie Helper Show is edited by Ted Reedy. Our theme song is by the band Cordova. Cordova.